Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Like we always do with this time, I go for mine, I get to shine, now throw your hands up in the sky, go for mine, I get to shine, now throw your hands up in the sky. What's up everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn the Jets Live. I'm your host, Steven Zance, joined by my co-host, Steven Russo. We have a very, very special guest, T.O.J. Zone, and probably the only Jets and Celtic fan in existence, man. Greg Armstrong. <laughs> what's up, Greg? What's, what's up, Steve? How you guys doing? Good, man. Greg, what's going on? Not a whole lot, man. Just trying to wade through this Denzel Mims debacle on Twitter. <laughs> it's it's really ridiculous. Like, we need to just stop talking about Denzel Mims. Yeah. He is number wide receiver six on the team, or five, depending on how you look yeah. at it. He's he is what he is. You know, he made one play and everyone's like, oh, yeah, he should have played a lot more snaps. But like we need to stop talking about it. It's it's not worth it. They're professional coaches. They will figure out if he's worth using or he's not worth using. I just don't want to hear about it anymore. But Steven, you said you feel differently. What's up with that? Yeah, I mean, I'm not polar opposite of you guys. Like, I get it. I don't think that Denzel Mims is a second coming of Jerry Rice here. But at the same time, like. We're not talking about some training camp darling like uh, Greg Dortch or Ryan Spadola. This is a guy that's a, a, a second round pick that's 6'3, 215, can run a sub 4, 440. That actually showed flashes last year in the worst offense in the league with Sam Darnold and Joe Flacco throwing to him. So I'm not saying that, you know, all the Mims talk is warranted and that everybody should be upset. But what I am saying is that when this guy comes on the field and when the lights come on, whether it's preseason or last season or game one, he's made plays. And I can understand uh, what Salah is saying that when you're not one of the three, the three main guys, you have to understand those positions. But at the same time, I think it's a little bit on the coaches too. You got to find a spot for this guy because he can make plays and he's a, he's a big body wide receiver with speed. So I'm not like, like I said, I'm not fully polar opposite of you guys, but I, I, I get the pump the break talks with, with Denzel, but I do think that there's some substance to the fact that he should be able to get playing time over a Jeff Smith or even a Braxton Berrios. And that if the coaching staff is good, then they should be able to find ways to get him on the field and at least have him as an option for Zach Wilson. So Greg, care to rebuttal? Because I said my piece. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think all those points can be true, but also like they're seeing him on a day-to-day basis, right? And I do I think he's a talented wide receiver? Yeah. Do I think he has more talent than a Jeff Smith and a Braxton Berrios? Absolutely. And I think we saw that last year. However, like, I don't think they're actively putting him in situations where he's not going to succeed in practice. Right. And them getting as much a a better look at him than, than obviously we are on the outside. Like if it's just not working, it's just not working. And if Jeff Smith and Braxton Berrios are earning those, earning that playing time over Mims, then that's just the way that it is. Like, I don't understand, you know, why a, a majority of the fan base is just going, well, he was a second round pick. You know, he, you know, he did this last year. It's like, okay, it's a what have you done for me lately type of league. And Mm -hmm. like he showed some flashes in the preseason, but like the common theme is he's just showing some flashes. And maybe that's just because he's not getting playing time. But on the on the same token, he might not be getting playing time because he's not out earning those spots from a Braxton Berrios or Jeff Smith. You know, it's it's like I said, I don't think it's something where they're actively campaigning to like keep him off the field. Like, no, I don't. If he was as talented and as as good a receiver, I think, as, you know, this whole aura around him on the internet is, then he'd be getting those spots. But I also Mm -hmm. think, like, 
I think DJ brought it up today. Like, why are we complaining about a guy who's not playing when we have like Corey Davis, you know, Elijah Moore, Crowder, and Keelan Cole are coming back? Like, this is the most fun the Jets have had at wide receivers since like the Marshall and Decker days. Like, why don't yeah. we focus on the positives? Well, I think, and that's a good point, though. I mean, you know, uh, Keelan Cole and Jamison Crowder are coming back. So I think the Mims talk should stop more now. But I think that was the biggest. Um, thing that propelled this conversation was the fact that those two guys were out and he still couldn't get playing time. And I, Greg, you're making a good point. I mean, we don't see practices, you know, Monday through Saturday. So I get that. But when the guy is on the field, he does show flashes. So I think he's one of those guys that when the lights come on, he may be a different player. Now it's up to him to earn that spot and to get up there come, you know, Monday through Saturday so he can get out on the field on Sundays. But still, I just I feel like the talk is semi warranted. I don't think it needs to be the level that it's probably at. And I think it should die down come week two now that those other guys are back. But I'm just saying I do. I'm kind of in the camp of I thought Mim should have gotten more of a chance. And if you take that same argument, we could talk about the same thing with Tevin Coleman over Ty Johnson and Michael Carter. I mean, we don't see the practice Monday through Saturday, but somehow Tevin Coleman wasn't producing on the field. So why aren't those carries going to Ty Johnson? It's, How cynical of a fan base do we have where <laughs> Zach Wilson just played like actually a pretty good game in his first start, first game under Salah, LaFleur, and Wilson, and then we're talking about Denzel Mims. I know, I like, know. <laughs> you know, it's it's, just, it's small it's potatoes in the grand scheme. You're yeah, you're man. absolutely right, but I just yeah. uh, we I love yeah sorry. <laughs> I love and hate it so at the much. same time. It's it's a love hate and. Like, think about this. Like, I don't think people are talking about this. Brandon Ayuk was a first-round pick. Same draft class. Was literally benched for a guy who was drafted late in the draft this year. Like, it's the same thing. And Brandon Ayuk was actually good last year. Like, he scored a bunch of touchdowns and looked like, you know, a legit, like, starting wide receiver. So, like, everyone needs to calm down. The coaches are coaching. They know what they're doing. Week one also is the biggest mirage of the NFL season. Like, this team is going to look a lot different. 10 weeks from now than they did last Sunday. Like right. you just, if you've been watching the NFL your whole life, you know that. So like, don't freak out. And like everyone's talking about Elijah, like Elijah played every snap. He's going to be fine. <clears throat> I wasn't like too worried about that, but let's, let's kill this at Mims talk. Cause <laughs> it's, it's such wasted energy because like you said, it's the fifth wide receiver on the Jeff chart. Yeah. So Greg was kind of alluding it to it, but I definitely want to hear both your thoughts on Zach's debut because to be honest, like given circumstances that he was getting hit literally every single play, like, six sacks and then 10 more hit quarterback hits. I was really encouraged. Like he didn't light the world on fire, but you saw why, you know, Joe Douglas, Robert Sala and Michael Floor became so enamored with him in the pre-draft process. You know, he was comfortable. He was tough as nails. He made some, some lasers that we just really haven't seen from a Jets quarterback. Like I don't want to use the Mahomes Rogers, but he had that zip and just that arm strength that you really want a franchise quarterback. And, you know, like he really rebounded after a terrible first half where they had no semblance of a running game. So I was really encouraged. Uh, Greg, what did you think about it? I was impressed, man. Like it's it's one thing to do it in a preseason against a lot of vanilla defenses. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of teams aren't really sending out. It's it's more of just like whoever's on the defensive line is going to rush. Right. They're not sending these exotic like blitz packages at you in the preseason. And if you want to talk about like a worst case scenario, for a start at QB, I think we saw it on Sunday mm-hmm. with not being able to get the run game going the way LaFleur wanted it to, and the offensive line, just no semblance of blocking. However, I was actually talking about it in, in a group chat uh, that I have with Jets fans, and there wasn't one point in the game on Sunday, no matter how much Zach got hit, no matter how much the offensive line was failing him, where I thought that he had lost it, right? Because you mm-hmm. could see – you know, with Mark, they'd, they'd always flash to a picture or a shot of him walking off the field. You could just see it in his eyes and his body language. Like, he was done. He, he was done for the day. They're not coming back. Sam, you could see a little bit semblance of that as well. There was never one point where I saw Wilson, like, come off the field and they showed a shot of him. And he's just – like, I was like, okay, like, this dude's just still in it. Like, he understands what's going on. And he has the talent to kind of mitigate an offensive line. Now, if you're going to ask him to do that with – that sort of offensive line for 17 games, it's just not going to happen. He's getting hurt. But, exactly. <laughs> but for, for a game like that, I mean, we saw it. We saw him escape the pocket. Now, he did hold on to the ball a little too long a couple times, but it's also his first NFL game, so I'm not going to knock him too bad. He just needs to learn how to, how to eat it. But on the flip side, like, you see what happens when he escapes the pocket. He has the arm strength. He has the zip to make those throws. I mean, we saw the one to Davis along the sideline. I was a pretty throw and then when mm-hmm. he did get his chance to set his feet he was on the money that, that yep. throw to elijah moore you know that like 60 yard bomb that was a very catchable ball that was 
absolute <clears throat> dime of a pass. The one to Barrios on fourth down, backed up in his mm-hmm. own end zone. That's a tough throw to make when you have that pressure. It's fourth down. You got to just stand in there. You know, off your back foot. Exactly. And then there was one to Barrios on the on the left hash that I thought was probably my favorite throw, where his upper half really wasn't in in sync with his lower half, and it looked like a Rogers type arm throw. And that's just it. Just shows you how you know his release. When I watched his pro day, first thing that came to my mind was Rogers. Just the way that he releases the ball, mm. the power that comes out of it, the zip on the ball, it's very encouraging. And just to see some of the throws that he made in an actual NFL game, it's exciting, man. And, you know, Corey Davis is legit, like, dude. Like, that's, that's a dude. Yeah, uh, and, and that's Yeah, that's the thing that, you know, I look for in a wide receiver is just like, yeah, he can make the flashy plays, but, like, who's that dude that's going to get you, you know, like a third and nine? And like you need the ball, and he's got to hang on to it. Like that's a Corey Davis type person. He did mm-hmm. have a killer drop, but yeah, whatever. but he had a great yeah. game. We can't really get on him. <laughs> yeah, and, and and I thought for you know for for what he was asked to do, like the Jets weren't out of that game, mm-hmm. and I, a lot of it was because of Zach Wilson making a lot of good throws. So you know, would you have? Would I like to see him pull out the win? Obviously, but all things considered, with the offensive line going the way that it went. You know, they, I think they tried to set up the run game so they could branch off of that and call plays off of that for him. That obviously didn't work. You know, it was a lot of good, some bad, given the circumstances. But I was impressed, man. I, I'm really looking forward to him playing against New England this week. Yeah, Stephen, yeah. what do you think? I feel like Greg hit on a lot of good points. He, he yeah. did. And Just I, tell me you to know, shut I was, up if I go for too long. No, 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 <laughs> man. No, I liked it. You were, you were on a roll, man. So as a lifelong Jets fan, I have, you know, Greg, you spoke of the, how cynical of a fan base. I have 35 years of cynicism here, you know, to, to work off of. So I'm balancing, you know, what I wanted to see with what I actually saw. And, and you know, this is coming from a guy, too, that after the season opener in 2018 thought that we had the guy. But what I could say is that this just looked different. And he really did just look the part, like everything. The throws he made, the zip he had. I mean, Greg, you hit on a lot of points, man. But to have as bad of a first half as a team could have with really outside of one throw across the middle to, to Corey Davis. I mean, it was awful for Zach Wilson, but to come back out and climb in that game and to get it within one score. And if an onside kick goes away, then, you know, they're a possession away from, from winning it. I mean, that was huge. The kid, he just, he looked the part, everything he did, the way he climbs the pocket, the way he feels the pocket around him. I thought sometimes he escaped a little bit early. Like he kind of got a little bit happy, but that could happen when you're getting hit 15 times in one game. But overall, I just felt like it just it looked different. It felt different. He just looked like the guy and what everyone is expecting him to be. And I just um, I couldn't have been more impressed with that second half that he had. Most encouraged, I would say I was after a loss in a long time, because typically Mm -hmm. I'm just usually miserable and don't want to talk to anybody. But no, I like you guys hit on all the points. And like I know Joe and Connor were talking about this on their initial reaction to the game on Badlands. But like he gets crushed on that one play and I literally thought he was dead. Like I thought he was not going to get up. I thought he might be concussed because you saw on the replay, like his helmet just hit the back of the turf so hard. And I'm like, he might be out for a game or something. He gets up. He makes arguably the toughest throw he's going to make all day with that tight window throw to Corey Davis in the back of the end zone. I was just like, wow. Like he's just like, everyone's like, he's small, whatever like, yeah, he's not, like, a big physical presence like a Cam Newton, but, like, he's definitely 6'2", and he has lower body strength. You can see that when you look at his legs. He's not, like, this, like, Jared Goff-type skinny. Jared Goff is tall, but he's just very skinny. Yeah. Wilson has the football figure, and he's only going to get bigger as he, you know, is another season. He has a whole full-off season as an NFL quarterback working with, like, a personal trainer everything because when you're in the pre-draft process, it's a different type of regiment that you're going to go through before you get into the league, and then – you're only doing stuff from OTAs. So, like, I was just super impressed with that. And he made that crazy throw to Mims. It's like when you watch it on the All-22, because I know Connor posted the clip, if, if Mahomes makes that throw, they're talking about it on every show this entire week. He yeah. literally gets crushed and throws a dime yeah. for 40 Exactly. Yards. You can't discount the hit that he took on that throw either. Like, crazy. that's – that was – yeah. That was crazy. just as hard. It just, you know, different different uh, type of hit, but just as hard as the one yeah. he took uh, before the touchdown. Greg, I feel like not to mention, too, I – I know that uh, like they're teammates, so they're going to say these types of things, but you can't discount the fact that guys like Corey Davis and, and CJ Mosley came out and said what they did after, after the game about this kid too. Like those words mean something. And that's when, when CJ Mosley says number two is going to win us a lot of games. I don't know that, that seems to just carry more weight than if another, you know, random guy said it. Agreed. Greg, what, you, what were you thinking? 
Nothing. I just had something in my throat. <laughs> yeah no it's you know you got to be encouraged and you know i'm interested to see how he's gonna re- he's gonna respond this week i know coming off a loss you know playing against you know the defensive mastermind in nfl history with belichick so i'm super excited to see what he does it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun all like you know leading up with him versus mac like did the jets pass on mac all that stuff it's so stupid but like mac's in a better situation than zach could ever dream of being having the greatest coach of all time this is head coach a good offensive line and a defense to protect him. Zach has better weapons. That's like the only thing I would say that he has better than what Mac has. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited for this game. And I know like I'm going to be there. Greg's going to be there. A lot of people, it's going to be interesting. And you know, Belichick always has the number of rookie quarterbacks, but let's just remind everybody, Geno Smith beat Belichick his rookie season at home. So anything's possible. Quarterbacks. You never know. Yeah. Sanchez did too. Sanchez, I was, that's my favorite game I ever went to. It was amazing. <laughs> um, so we talked about this, obviously, Zach getting hit. So I think we have to talk about the offensive line because it was a big topic of conversation throughout training camp. The B kept saying the line stinks. Basically, whenever they had, you know, scrimmages internally and then when they had the scrimmages with both the Packers and the Eagles, they're like, the offensive line keeps getting cooked by the actual pass rushers in this first team defense. It's a problem, specifically Becton, who obviously is now out four to six weeks, but – I mean, it's one game. I'm not going to go crazy about it, but it was really bad. And I think, you know, you got to remember, these guys barely lined up together all summer because you had backed it out with the concussion. You had Vera Tucker with a pec injury. And then they kind of were rotating Moses and Fant in and out. Fant was out with COVID. So it's like, you got to remember, they never really lined up together. So I'm curious, Stephen, what were your thoughts on the offensive line? And like, do you, do you think like, if you had to pick a number of panic from zero to 10, where are you at right now? Um, I'm probably at about a, I'd say I'm at a six, I think, which I don't, I I really hate hitting the panic button, but I guess this is, and I, and I wrote about this in the round table this week. It's kind of a layered problem here. Like, yeah, it's one game. They haven't played together all preseason. I get it. It's a new offensive line. You're starting, you know, a rookie left guard, uh, a second year, right. uh, Left tackle. Um, It's, it's difficult to assess. I guess the reason why I'm kind of panicking a little bit is because this was like, Joe Douglas was like touted as the guy that could fix this. Mm-hmm. And in two and a half years, he simply hasn't gotten it done. And they're still allowing their young quarterback to just be drilled over and over and over again. I mean, it, I, I don't know the number. What was the number of hits he took? I know he took six sacks this, this past Sunday, but how many hits? if you include sacks and quarterback hits. Okay. So there you go. So that, that's a lot for your, your rookie quarterback in this first game. So I guess that's where I kind of am on the panic meter is like, and I still have faith in Joe Douglas, but when you look back and you say, okay, well, he had these opportunities and I know, you know, Joe Tooney was probably going to go where he was going to go, but throw the bag at him. Don't double down on Greg Van Roten. So things like that, that's that's kind of where I'm starting to uh, get a little bit concerned is that this was supposed to be his thing. He was supposed to build that wall. And in two and a half years, it's not done. And it doesn't even look close to done. So this thing has to get better fast. Yeah, that's fair. Greg, what do you think? I'm at like a seven and a half, eight. <laughs> oh. It's not, it's not going to get any better. I mean, they, they play New England this week, which – you know, if they were having communication problems against the Carolina front, mm-hmm. I mean, Belichick's going to throw a hell of a – they might not have the same talent, but, I mean, they're going to throw a hell of a lot more looks at you than what Carolina did on Sunday. And then after that, you have to play Denver with Bradley yep. Chubb and Vaughn Miller mm-hmm. and, a, and a great back end on, on the Broncos defense too. Back end for uh, New England is great too. So, like, mm-hmm. it's going to get a lot worse, I think. I don't know if it's going to get – better after that i mean we might see incremental uh you know improvement from from the line as they get more cohesion uh but in reality i was not encouraged by what i saw on sunday and and connor uh i think connor touches on it on badlands if you're connor mcgovern man you can't mm-hmm. you can't come out and say like <laughs> what he said that's just as the center that that's a that to me i think was was like I just I couldn't believe that that was an actual quote that the center of a football team said. Like it's your job to get the it, Zach's in his first NFL game ever. Like as a center, you know if if I think Mangle we've I've talked with Mangold about it one time where like you know he's he you try to help your quarterback out as much as you can, right? If you're a center, if he doesn't know the protection changes and you know all that stuff that a quarterback needs to go through pre-snap. As a center, you should be able to help him with that kind of stuff. Mm. You, you, it's it's insane to think that you could have a guy come in day one and he knows how to change protections at the line, 
you know, do all that kind of stuff. That's an upfront type of thing. Now, obviously, I could be wrong. I don't know a ton about offensive line. Um, and that's that's definitely an area where you have to have played that position really to understand the nuances and and just how important you know being close is. But I feel like it seems like every time we talk, I've I've talked about offensive linemen and, and you see quotes is a lot of it is cohesion. Mm-hmm. And you got to make sure that you know you can you want to fight for the guy on the right and the left of you, depending on where you are. And for him for for McGovern to come out and say that after week one was just like ridiculous that's that's not a good song his fucking ass excuse my language is literally (laughs) on zach every play like you literally kept seeing his head going back and i'm like yeah he has the balls to say that i i I know joe hates a we curse but (laughs) i just was so livid when i'm like really he's literally never played in the game you've been playing in the league for what six Mm -hmm. six or seven years and you've been a starter come on man like that's just stupid and you know carolina has a formidable front i think and Chris Sims was saying this on his podcast on Monday. He's like, they may be one of the best defenses in the NFL when the season's over. I mean, you know, Brian Burns was creating havoc. And I said that that was going to happen, you know, before the game. And it was obvious. And, you know, Derek Brown was all over the place. So they, they had their hands full. And I know you said, like, the talent isn't obviously as good, you know, in New England. But it doesn't matter because Belichick is so good at just figuring out ways to generate the pass rush. Even if he doesn't have, like, his Chandler Jones or his Jamie Collins, he'll figure it out. Because he's going to send things Zach's way he's never seen before. You know, when you're playing against Coastal Carolina, you're not going to see the Belichick defense. So yeah. it's going to be interesting. But you know what? It's it's on Zach to try to figure things out, you know, get the ball out quick, which I think he is, has definitely has the ability to do. And his processing is so much better because I just felt like he never had like happy feet or anything, which we've seen for time and time again with our quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I mean, it's going to be fun. I mean, but hopefully the line's a little bit better. And I think, you know, Barrett Tucker, I think, graded out pretty well from PFF. I know, like, you could take that with a grain of salt, but I don't think that he was necessarily, you know, a negative. And I think the line started to play a lot better once, you know, Fant went left and then obviously Moses came in to fill him from on the right side. I'm not saying that I want, you know, Fant playing left tackle, but yeah. I mean, I want Moses playing right tackle. So maybe this is a this basically for him an audition for him to keep the job. And then we put Fant in the swing and hopefully catch some passes like Joe keeps asking for. <laughs> I want to see yeah. it span as the, the big man tight ends. <laughs> I mean, if that's, that's another thing. Yeah, I can't wait till we're having the debate if George Fan or Denzel Mims is wide receiver six. That'll be a fun time. We might get there if Fan catches a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't have to worry imagine? about it now that, that Beckton's down, but that is something that we can talk about and definitely question is George Fan getting the nod over Morgan Moses, which, which obviously just didn't work. And when you got a, a guy that's a, what, seven or eight year veteran that started every game seven years in a row or six years in a row in Morgan Moses, that's a, just a complete force in the run game. And you come out, start fan over him and can't do anything in the run game at all and can't pass block. And that deserves to get questioned. So, you know, now, unfortunately, we're forced to see, you know, fan at the left side and Morgan at the right side. But that was something that I just uh, I couldn't get behind. Like we said about Mims, I don't see practice every day of the week, but that's something that uh, that really surprised me. I think everybody thought that was a that was a shoe in that uh, that Moses would start over fan. Yeah, it was it was interesting. And I asked him, he said that on Will's pod that he really thought fan had the inside track. And it seems that Samini definitely was talking to somebody who was involved with that decision. Because when I saw that Fant was the starting right tackle, I'm like, uh-oh. I mean, most, Morgan Moses is either out of shape or just isn't good. Because George Fant is as average as you could possibly be. And, you know, I was a little well, concerned by that. Also, like, it's also good to have competition, right? Like, yeah. how, many times, how many times have we seen, like, you know, in the years past, if a Beckton goes down, obviously you you want you don't want your franchise left tackle to go down and have to start a backup. But like, all things considered, is it great? No, but it's a lot better than what we've seen in the past. Having you know sliding a George fan over to left tackle, being able to plug in a Mo- Morgan Moses at a right tackle, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's so all things considered, I don't think it's it's terrible. Uh, it's not ideal, but it's not terrible. Um, and yeah, I mean, like if, if Fant just beat him out, then Fant beat him out, right? Like this isn't Madden. You don't just start the, the guy with a higher overall rating. Like these dudes, like these dudes are humans. Like sometimes you just get beat out, you know, like we were just talking about with, with Mims earlier. Like maybe he's just getting beat out by those guys ahead of us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's never a bad thing to have, like bring in a guy like Morgan Moses and it raises, you know, the, the, uh, the competition and, 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 and brings Fant to a higher level than, you know, we initially saw him last year. 
Yeah, no, all valid fair points. Point. Yep. Competition's good, and you know you, that's what you want in camp and practice. Uh, we can transition from some negatives to more positive stuff. So, you know, obviously we were down two receivers heading into Carolina last week. We had Jamison, who was obviously out with COVID, and then okay. Keelan Cole, who was kind of a, a surprise inactive because he was practicing all week, and then he got dinged up on Thursday with his knee. It seemed like it was like a soreness. But both are scheduled to come back this week, which I think is a huge boost for Zach because – it kind of adds a more of a dimension to this offense that we weren't, that we weren't necessarily going to see last week. I think people are underestimating the value of what Crowder can really bring, especially on third down as that go-to guy to get those quick six yards that you need for a conversion. I mean, he's really been the best, the best receiver on the jets the last two years. I know it's not saying much, but he's consistent. He's got good hands. You know, he's fast. I'm, I'm super excited. And I think Cole was just an interesting player. And I think that just having more weapons can't really hurt. And I know Steven is definitely in the camp of, you should always have a surplus of assets, especially at, at the skill position players. But I'm curious of what you guys think about both these guys and maybe like something that we can expect to see with them running out and like, you know, three or four wide receiver sets. Yeah, I think, um, I, obviously I think it's a good thing that they're both coming back. I think uh, anytime, you know, Jeff Smith, you know, he's an okay player, but I, I don't think he should be seeing significant time. And especially against the Patriots defense, which we were just talking about in a Belichick defense, you know, all the weapons you can get out there, the better. What I hope to see is that maybe some of those targets that went towards uh, the tight ends um, go away. <laughs> you yes. know, I'm fine with, with four or five going to Croft, but, uh, but six to each, I think, uh, to, to Croft and Griffin, um, I'm not really down with. So hopefully you see some of those targets go to, uh, to Colin Crowder. And then, you know, from the wide receiver core in general, I'd like to see a few more manufactured touches for, uh, for Elijah Moore. That was one thing that uh, I, we definitely didn't see um on Sunday which get him involved early have him be a nice little outlet for Zach get the groove going I think a little bit um then you get both of them kind of feeling it I mean Moore should have definitely made that play on the deep ball beautifully thrown deep ball by Zach um but they still didn't really do anything to like manufacture any touches or get him any quick things going I know he dropped the one but still um so overall out of the entire receiving core that's kind of what I'm looking for for uh, for this Sunday what about you Greg what do you think <laughs> yeah I think having two known commodities in Crowder and Cole is going to do a lot because you know, Corey Davis is a known commodity, right? You you can kind of game plan for him. For as good as I think the collective Jets fan thinks Elijah Moore is going to be, he's still an unknown. And NFL guys aren't just going to, you know, give you this type of respect just because of, you know, preseason hype or where you were drafted or all that kind of stuff. In certain situations, obviously. But in most cases, they're going to they're gonna make you beat them. And obviously, the Jets didn't draw something up for, for him to beat them. It did once, but it didn't happen. And Crowder and Cole – are known commodities. So I think that that'll help. Um, you know, the targets of tight ends was it discouraging a little bit at the same time though, like I'm fine with it in week one when, you know, he he's facing the type of pressure that he is. And, you know, some of the routes were a little bit deeper. I think, I think, I don't think they drew up enough of, you know, some quick throws for, mm-hmm. for Zach just to get him in a rhythm. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't think they need that many targets. Um, like you said, Stephen. Um, but yeah, I think having two known commodities, especially against you know a secondary like the like the Patriots, that even without Gilmore, it's still a good secondary. McCourty, mm-hmm. you got J.C. Jackson, you've got Jonathan Jones. Like that's still a pretty good secondary. And you know, it, it between that and then the way Belichick, you know, kind of draws things up and gives you different looks post pre snap to post snap. Like you want, you definitely want to have known commodities out there. And like you like you guys said, like Crowder's been. You know, is it really that great of a, an honor to be the best Jets receiver of the past two years? No, but he has been consistent. He's He's been a, a guy that, you know, Sam looked to a, a lot. Um, so I do think having him back is, is going to be super beneficial. And Cole's a guy who can just go up and, and get passes in a pinch. So, you know, having two known, two known guys out there, I think it's definitely going to help mm-hmm. Zach out. Yeah. Yeah. I think Crowder, I've said this before, and I think he, he should get bonus points for being good in a Gase offense, right? Like that's, yeah, you know, right? He gets a little credit for that. The thing too is uh, I think it's important too because I think Belichick's known for taking away your top target. Yeah. Like that's what he's going to do. He's going to double up Corey Davis all game and make someone else beat him. So these guys coming back um, is a big thing for this game. So we'll see how it plays out on Sunday. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be interesting. And I think, you know, 
part of which, which, which isn't necessarily an excuse here why the, the tight ends had 12 combined targets, but kind of game script, they really stopped banding the run because it just wasn't working. So I think, mm-hmm. I mean, we just don't want Zach throwing nearly 40 times a game as a rookie because that means that we're playing from behind and we want to be a little more competitive, which we ended up making the game a little competitive. But, I mean, I'm hoping the sweet spot is like he's like just under 30 attempts a game, depending on obviously game script, but like, we got to establish that run. It's a rookie quarterback's best friend. It's why Sanchez had so much success as a rookie because we just, you can't rely on this. Like he's still learning. He's still processing. It's just, you're going to set yourself up for trouble, especially if they can't pass block, he's going to get hurt because mm-hmm. we need it. We need to make the game more balanced because teams are just going to know, yeah, we could stop you on the runs. So you got to pass it. So it's going to make everything more predictable. It's probably why he got baited by Shaq Thompson through that terrible mm-hmm. interception. It's really the only thing that he did all day that bothered me, but, it's a rookie mistake, so I wasn't too bad. I wasn't too upset about it. Yep. Um, we could definitely transition a little bit because I know we talked a lot about the offense, but I think we should talk about the defense because it was a pleasant surprise given all the injuries, given the lack of a pass rush, the results that we did see. I mean, one of the things I'll say is I think that, yes, the corners played really well, but I also think that it was a result of playing against Sam Darnold because – he really didn't test him. If you look at the numbers about him going against the corners, I don't even think he had a hundred yards passing against cornerbacks, which is kind of an indictment of who he is. And I felt like he left a lot on the field. He really wasn't taking any deep shots with the, with the lone touchdown to Robbie, which was like, felt like your ex-girlfriend, you know, with another guy, you're just like, yeah, this, this one, this one stings, but it was to be expected to be honest with you. But I got to give the rookie cornerbacks a lot of credit. I think they held their own given the circumstances. Everyone's been saying it was the biggest question mark. And the one thing that caught my eye specifically was when Michael Carter II made that unbelievable pass breakup to basically force a punt. Mm-hmm. That, like, made me jump off my couch. I got super excited. I'm like, wow, like, that was that was sick. Like, we haven't just seen a Jets corner actually make a nice play like that in quite some time because last year the corners were just absolutely atrocious watching Pierre Desir every week. Curious what you guys thought about the young DBs and really the defense as a whole, because it was impressive minus the lack of a pass rush. Go ahead, Greg. Yeah, I mean, we could start up front. Like, I, I thought, you know, it, I would have liked to see more from McQuinnon Williams. Uh, mm-hmm. I know Connor um, Badlands did a good, you know, breakdown of the coaches film, uh, kind of centered around defense. I thought JFM had a, had a good game after, yep. after watching that. Best player on the defense. Yeah, but you, you, you definitely want to see a more out of cue. I also don't know if he's, like, fully healthy. Because like, he didn't play all preseason, and I think he's still kind of getting back into game shape, yeah. which is like, you know, it's, it's the same thing. Like, it's it's frustrating to me when like you just kind of pencil in guys. Like, it's not bad, right? Like, you don't just he's not on he's not injured for three weeks, and then when he comes back, he's back to like an eighty-eight, and like he's <laughs> you know, it just it goes back to normal. So like, you know, I still think he's kind of working back into shape. Uh, and even when they did get pressure, though, like. Carolina was ready for it. And when you have a back like Christian McCaffrey, you can just dump it off. Like they were very ready for when the Jets actually got pressure to Sam and Sam was you know, smart enough to dump it off to them. Um, you know, I, I thought the secondary, they did what they needed to do, right? We can, we can look at the numbers of, of Sam not testing the cornerbacks, but when he did test them, I thought they fared up pretty well. You know, mm-hmm. they got off the field in some key third down situations. That game could have been a lot uglier. Um, Definitely. I, think it, I think a combination of, Sam being Sam and the Jets defense, you know, bending it and not breaking. I mean, the touchdown to Robbie, I mean, good luck asking any safety to mm-hmm. keep up with him step for step. I mean, that's, it is what it is. That's the kind of speed. That's the kind of the guy that Robbie is. Um, but, you know, in, in, in some key spots to get off the field and to get the Jets the ball back, they did exactly what they needed to do. Now going up against, you know, better QBs going up, um, you know, at the, as we get to the season, who knows? Better QBs, better receivers. I don't know. We're, we're definitely going to need to see more, <coughs> excuse me, from the front um, to help the back end. But, I mean, all in all, like, you know, I think going into what we thought the, the clear mismatch was Carolina's receivers against the Jets DBs. And, you know, they didn't get tested. They didn't get tested. But when they did, I thought they fared up pretty well. So it was, yeah. a, it was an encouraging thing um, to see the young guys, you know, play well. Uh, they need a second safety now. I mean, Mm-hmm. It's it's very very apparent. We cannot start that that <laughs> guy anymore. Um, but great name though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is a cool name, but it does not do well when you're playing against NFL guys. So yeah. um, it, this gives Ashton a clear path to playing time as soon as he's healthy. And you know we want to see what he is because he's a third round pick. And 
we keep saying, you know, the Douglas drafts are not looking good and Beckton getting hurt yet again is only really emphasizing that. And now even the one guy who people love, Braden Mann, is now injured. So, yeah. <laughs> and I know, I know Greg definitely loves Matt Amendola so much, but he, he was the MVP on Sunday. Two ends. Oh, I, I, I cannot love him. I'll get to my defensive thoughts in a second, but is like, is it, is, is it weird that we have these like, uh, like odd special teams kicker things that happen on opening days, like Tom Tupa throwing passes back in 98. <laughs> I remember like, uh, a kicker was hurt the far year in 08. Like there's just always weird they call Corey Vedvik missing like every field goal in, in, <laughs> yeah, uh, in 19, like, just anyway, the sidebar, but um, my thoughts on the defense. So I think you guys are both right. I was extremely disappointed in the D line. I thought they could have taken advantage of that banged up, really not good to start with, but banged up Carolina offensive line and outside of JFM, no one really played well. Mm-hmm. Um, the linebackers I thought played hard, you know, CJ Mosley is going to be rock solid in the middle, but playing alongside two converted safety rookie, you know, day three picks that that's going to be tough, but they played hard. Um, same with the DBs. I, I was extremely impressed with, with all of them. And honestly, Javelin Gidry probably came away impressing me the most, especially in that late, uh, uh, late game open field tackling made on Christian McCaffrey to, to stop him on third down. Um, overall, I think I was, I was impressed and holding Sam Darnold to 35 yards passing in the second half, I think was obviously big. And, and the thing that I think I'm most impressed by is the fact this coaching staff made adjustments at halftime. Like that's something we're just not used to. And this is a, this is a game that last year the, the Jets would have lost 34 to three and they would have kicked the field goal, you know, late in the fourth quarter to, to get points on the board. But in reality, they, they made adjustments. They fought back on both sides of the ball and they made it close in a one score game. So I came away impressed by that. The fact that they went back to the drawing board, made adjustments and were able to actually come out and, and do some damage in the second half. Yeah, no, that's all valid points. And I would say one thing that's a big coaching upgrade, they tackled well. Greg yeah. Williams' team, yeah. not tackling well. This team was actually making their tackles, and that's been a problem with this team going all the way back to Rex. Even though we all love Rex, the team definitely missed a lot of tackles, especially when the team started to spiral, you know, post like 2010. That was a huge plus for me because that's coaching in itself and technique and everything in practice. The other thing is Brad Boyer is good at his job because their special teams unit was amazing. Justin Hardy is really Every yeah. kickoff return, they were always right there. You never were worried that a guy was going to break free, and they have some fast guys on that Carolina special teams. Justin Hardy's the man. Like mm-hmm. I, I love that guy. I mean, he's he's just a hard worker. I feel like he's going to be a guy that we're always going to rely on to make plays and specials. But you know, you got to give Brent Boyer a lot of credit. He survived Todd Bowles. He survived Adam Gase. Now he's on the solid staff, and I think he's definitely the best special coach because once Westoff left. We went through a revolving door of special teams coaches and we were giving up such bad field positions. So mm. it's something you can't take for granted because I remember, you know, years back, the Chargers had the best offense and the best defense statistically, but missed the playoffs because their specials were so bad. So it's definitely good that that carried over. And, you know, I think, you know, I think the coaching upgrade is, is definitely apparent because a team that actually makes adjustments and actually fights in the second half versus quitting on their team and just getting ready for the bus it shows and I, it means that this, the locker room is bought into what Sal is selling and it's kind of just showing what we all hope and believe about him and that it's going to you know, lead to those results that we're looking for long-term, which is obviously a winning program because it's been a long time. We're starved six years since the our last <laughs> winning season. Let's go. Come on. Yeah. And I think, you know, two more things on the coaching staff uh, on specifically Sala that I liked, and I'm, I'm obviously jaded from years past because I think these are things that normal, you know, fans of team of regular teams, just, you know, they, it's second nature, but uh, going for two late in the third quarter yes. when they score the touchdown, I was a big fan of that. Cause a lot of coach talk, they're like, we don't worry about that shit till the fourth quarter. Well, that was late in the third. He went for two, they made it and they got it a one score game. I thought that was a bigger deal than what anybody made of it. The second thing was, was going for it on fourth down deep in their own territory late in the game with less than four minutes. I mean, that's something Gase would never Todd Bowles would never. So doing that and actually getting the first and throwing past the sticks and allowing that drive to continue and to score, to make it a one-score game, I thought were both extremely big deals from specifically from a Jets fan perspective because we are not used to that by any stretch of the imagination. No, yeah. yeah that's it was just like it was just encouraging on special teams to see like a Jets player on the screen when the when the punk was <laughs> Like, like that, I was like legit. Like, I don't care if the guy got tackled or not. Like, the fact that there was just a lot of gestures, he's on the screen when the ball was fielded was just like, 
I was like, all right, I'm cool with this. I don't care if he scores a touchdown on this. Like, <laughs> like the, the bar is just so – like, last year was atrocious. I mean, how many times yeah. did you see guys feel the point and there was no one on the screen? Like, that's – it was just – the bar is, like, literally the floor. But, you know, it, <laughs> it really is. But, you know, it, it, it was a lot of encouraging stuff. And even solid just, like, getting excited about fun plays, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's still a game at heart. And, you know, Gase, for, you know, whatever cynical, psychopathic reason, would just never get excited about anything. He would just and, sit on, the, like, the by, like, the water cooler and just be looking at his yeah, play sheet. He's always yeah. on defense. He's just, like, writing a novel on that goddamn <laughs> play sheet for 16 weeks. Like, I don't, you know, like, it's all it's just, you know, getting fired up because they're back in the game. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. it's just a total, you know, does it mean anything in the grand scheme of things? Probably not a ton. But it's just encouraging as a fan to say, oh, okay, like we can have fun again watching football. Yes. We root for wins. Not That's loss. it. That's, That's it. So I just want to have fun. Yeah. No. Last I, year was a chore. It was a chore to watch football. It, it was. It was work. It <laughs> was work God. every Sunday. Thank yeah. God the Red Zone Channel existed last year because I don't know if I would have made it through that watching being restricted to that or watching the Giants play because yeah. It, it, it was dark. I basically, after the Bronco game, I gave up. I was like, this I, is like, just it. Like, I'm sitting in my apartment illegally streaming Adam Gase coach Jets games. <laughs> <laughs> like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> you know? You're like, what could go wrong today? I need to Yeah, right? This. Like, I'm just like, I, I'm just like, oh, great. Have to watch the Jets game again. Let me click yeah. through, like, five different, like, porn ads on the yeah. illegal streaming site <laughs> just to get to this goddamn game <laughs> at least you, you got it illegally i paid for it man that's even sadder I think. that's the thing like I, we have the ticket but like my dad uses it oh yeah so like you know god forbid the nfl lets you stream on two devices at one time oh. no i gotta pay 700 hours do you get those games is that why you don't get jets games yeah jets are never on because we're third rate in this town central new york um, man where it's 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 the bills the giants like a uh, hundred feet of shit and the jets yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's funny yeah no, I because I, I know up in Albany they definitely get Jets and Giants games, but you're a yeah. little bit further away, so I'm. It's just like that yeah, sucks. yeah. In yeah. Albany, my, my, I'm from Albany originally, but they even kicked the Jets off of regular TV in Albany this Sunday for the Bills Steelers. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yep. They um they actually I heard there's a rumor that Amazon's going to get Sunday tickets, so you won't need direct yep. TV anymore, which is dope. I'm super excited yeah. about that. But, I can't wait. <laughs> Greg's like, please, thank you. Bro, I can't I can't even do this legal stream thing for too long. I'm 26, 26 years old. Like, I need to. Yeah. But I'm also not paying like 400 hours for the Sunday ticket. Yeah, that's you know, the other. Just, just to watch check games, right? Like, yeah. it's, a, it's a fine balance. If they You're start paying... winning, they start winning, I'll pay the, I'll pay the money. <laughs> cool. I'll do it. All right, guys. Um, I definitely want to, you know, close it with just thoughts on the game. You know, X Factor is about the Patriot game, you know, what you think the Jets need to do to win and then score prediction. Cause that's always the most fun and it'll blow up in your face. Cause I said the Jets scored 31 points last week and that clearly did not happen. Yeah. So Greg, I'm going to give it to you. Give me your, you know, keys to the game, I guess, matchups, you know, what you think the Jets can do to win and what you think will happen in this game. Uh, on offense, first off, get the floor back in the box. Like, don't get it. Don't keep him on the field. Just put him up where he's comfortable up in the box. And I think we'll be fine. Um, Second off, though, like, I, I think you need – if the running game is not working, you have to – I don't think you have to abandon it, but you have to work off of it quicker than they did last time because mm-hmm. it just seemed like they were they were put in too many, you know, third and long situations. And that's a tough ask for a rookie QB, no matter how good, you know, Zach, Zach Wilson's arm talent is. It's a tough, tough ask for a rookie QB. Uh, it's not going to get any easier against Belichick. But on offense, I want to see them drop some, some quicker throws, um, kind of get Zach in a rhythm – to start off the game. Cause I don't really think he got in one uh, at all until the second half last week. And you really can't do that against, you know, the Patriots, regardless of who's under center on the other side. Um, I do think getting, you know, like we talked about the two wide receivers back will be, will be fun. Um, I think they're going to have to be prepared because, you know, Belichick does like to put, you know, his best, his best corner on, you know, the, the, the second best receiver and then, you know, kind of double up their number one receiver and take you away like that. That's typically, he's done in the past first for some upper tier um wide receivers i don't think core davis is that but it'll be interesting to see if they do that um you have to you have to be prepared for different looks uh obviously which we touched on a lot uh on the defensive side you got to make mac jones speed it up a little bit right because i i you know i was watching the the past dolphins game i think you know the patriots had a good game plan for them they really wanted to rely on the running game you know, the fumble from Stevenson and the fumble from Harris that ob- that ultimately ended it, um, you know, 
it, it kind of dampened that. But you know, Damian Harris is is a threat. You're going to have to be diligent in the in the run stopping game. Uh, I'm not as scared as the as the wide receivers. I do think the tight ends they're going to draw some stuff up. You know, Jonu Smith is a guy who, and, the, mm-hmm. and I think they ran an end around for him. Uh, on Sunday, the Patriots did. That's a guy that's a really versatile piece that you kind of got to hone in on on those two tight ends and Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. I mean, James White's going to get his, right? Like, Stephen, you know this probably better than anybody. I've, how long have you been a Jets fan? Have they ever been able to cover a receiver no, back? Never. Never. It'll yeah. never happen. Uh, it's back to Kevin Falk all I the think, way back. I think, yeah, Greg, I mean, you Greg talking... just called me old in a roundabout way. Is that what just happened there? No, so. I did not. You just watched more. <laughs> No, Kevin Falk was the guy who always like it was like Used third base. Oh, he'd get yeah. you like eight point one yards. Every God, time. I, I hated every Kevin Falk. No elbow football. <laughs> I was around for the tail end of that, but yeah, Shane yeah. Marine too. All oh yeah, Danny yeah. Like, Woodhead, and like obviously he's not at a level that a Christian McCaffrey is, but James White is still one of the the better receiving backs in the league. So you definitely want to, mm-hmm. um, you know, hone in and make sure that's something that, um, you know, you stop and. Ultimately, I think it's make Mac Jones beat you, right? Like yeah. it's his second start too. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if the if McDaniel's is going to open up the playbook more for Mac Jones, but it's his second. If it's it's his second game as well. Your co- coach Salah obviously has been doing this defense thing for a longer time than Mac Jones has been playing professional football. Make him beat. You. Give him some exotic looks. Me, you don't have the talent that New England does. Make his make his day harder. Right. Like, don't give him those easy throws. Don't let him try not to let him get in a rhythm. Uh, and if he ends up beating you, he ends up beating you. It is what it is. Right. You, you just chalk it up to the game. Um, final score predictions. I don't think the Jets win, honestly. Um, I think it'll be close. I think it'll be within a one score game. And it's just going to come down to who makes one or two plays. And mm-hmm. if you're the Jets, you know, we can't have an interception like that from Wilson again because um, the Patriots will make you pay. Even if, even if Brady's not back there, they're still going to make you pay. Like, you, for, the most important thing is you just cannot beat yourself against a Belichick coach team because they'll kill you on that. So mm-hmm. you want to limit the mental mistakes. You know, I thought they had a lot of pre-snap penalties um, in the game against Carolina. And that you just – you can't start out first and 15. You can't start mm-hmm. out, you know, behind the sticks. It's just not going to work out for you. Um, so make Zach Wilson's life a lot easier, um, get some quick passes in there to kind of mitigate the offensive line and that issue, um, take some shots. Obviously when you, when you need to, you're not going to beat, you know, the Patriots just dinking and dunking at the whole game. Uh, and then on the defensive side, make Mac Jones beat you speed up his clock. Um, and just, you know, hope the, hope the back end can, uh, can play as well as they did against Carolina. So I'll say, I'll say Patriots 20, Jets 13. Okay. All right, Steven. There. You covered a lot there. Yeah. He, he took us through it all. Um, I'm going to be, I'm going to be kind of boring. I think, I think really it's, it's going to be uh, cliche, but it, it comes down to the, the upfront. It's going to be the Jets D line. And if they can perform better than they did against Carolina and get some pressure, especially from, from the middle in Mac Jones's face against the Patriots O line. Uh, and that comes down to Quinnen. Um, and that's going to be a key to the game defensively. I really don't trust the Jets linebackers. I, you know, Greg said it. I'm not overly impressed with their, their tight ends, but they are they are good tight ends. And, and mm-hmm. that uh, that group against the weak linebacking core that the Jets have is concerning. Um, then you flip the, you know, to the other side of the ball, uh, the Jets O-line. They got to be better than they were against Carolina against the Belichick defense. And if they can't protect Zach, if they can't recognize blitzes and, and exotic ones at that, it's going to be a long day. Um, so when you couple that with the fact that what we brought, you know, what we brought up before is Corey Davis going to get taken away, but it's good that Mim or that <laughs> that Mims, oh, that uh, Crowder and uh, and so Cole good. are back. Yeah, right. It's good that Crowder and Cole are back. I think that's gonna um, that's gonna help. We'll see how those guys perform. Ultimately, I think it's a close game. I think the Jets fall short. I'll say 28-24 Pats. Okay. All right. I'll make my case. Unfortunately, I also do not think that they're going to win. It's just the Belichick versus the rookie quarterback thing makes it tough for me. But I tweeted this today saying, as of now, I think that. But after a few beers Sunday morning in the tailgate, I may change my mind and just be drunk. But if you think I'm not fully convinced the Jets are like winning by two touchdowns by 11 a.m. on Sunday, you're out of your mind. <laughs> anyway, going back to my thoughts. So I think Stephen hit it really well on the head. Just you know, the up in the trenches is how you win this game, you know, make Mac's life difficult. 
I think you really want to see – you want to limit the short passing game because that's exactly what they did all day. Mac didn't really take any shots against the Dolphins. I did watch that game. I just think that you can't allow, you know, those like screen passes that time and time again have beaten us. I know it's like the most obvious thing, but for some reason the Jets never figure out that that's exactly what New England's going to do. It's been what they've been doing really the last decade, even really probably beyond that when they got Wes Welker and Kevin Falk back in the day. But, you know, get a rush on Mac. He barely was hit. I know the Patriots always have a good offensive line to always coach really well. So that's a big key. I think something I think will be interesting and more fun for us. I think Elijah has a big game. And the reason I say that is if you guys remember that whole piece on him, you know, going back into August, how he on his mirror, he has all the guys who are drafted ahead of him. And it's like his motivation every day. You think he doesn't know that Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, and also um, what's his face? Devonta Smith all had big debuts. He's motivated. I can tell you that he knows he messed up. He dropped that pass. I think Corey is definitely held in check, but I think the, the emergence of Crowder and Cole is going to open up things for um, Elijah. I think he's going to have a big day. I think he's going to catch a touchdown. He's going to get us excited and he's going to quiet all. He like dropped, everyone's going to forget that he dropped that pass. Um, I think the corners will definitely struggle a little bit because I think that they may, you know, throw a couple of deep shots, but that's not really max MO. Um, they're definitely going to have trouble running against the front. I think the, the run defense is going to be strong. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't really bad against the Panthers. We mostly lost to McCaffrey when it was out of the backfield catching passes. Uh, as far as prediction, I'm going to go – they cover the number, which right now I believe is six, but I'm going to say 21-17 New England. You know, similar to you guys. I think it's going to be a lower scoring, and I also think the under. So if you follow my gambling show, you'll hear these in, on top of my other picks tomorrow. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm excited, you know, getting to go back to that life. It's been two years since the uh, haunting of, you know, Vidbeck and, you know, <laughs> Sam having mono. That was the last time I was at the game, you know, home opener bills. But it's going to be fun. The one thing I'm not excited about, there's going to be a lot of Pats fans there. There always are. And it's just, can we fill our own stadium, please? That's just like something I know is never going to happen because we're a smaller fan base. But, yeah, no, I'm excited to be back. It's going to be fun. Um so, Greg, before we close, I want you to tell everyone a little bit about your basketball writing because it's something you're doing in addition to TOJ. Yeah, so I'm writing for 1.37 p.m. Um, I'm just going to be writing yeah, about basketball. NBA, college, uh, hopefully, um, you know, do some, do some gambling stuff on it, uh, some futures, uh, but more so just, you know, have an outlet to, to write about basketball because I think talking basketball on Twitter and online is just – it's just like bashing right up against the wall because, yeah. you know, it's just no nuance to it. So you can check that out. You know, starting up here, it's been a slow couple months. Um, obviously, everyone's excited for football. There's no point running in my basketball and everyone's excited for football. Uh, but, yeah, once the NBA starts going, I'll definitely be putting out a lot more there. So 1.37 uh, p.m. I'll be writing basketball for Yeah, no, guys, if you're really interested, Greg has, you know, a lot of insight, especially about the Celtics. That's his team. Marcus Smart's his favorite person in the world. Mm -hmm. But no, he, Greg has great basketball insight. Highly recommend to read what he has to say because I've had great conversations with him over Call of Duty and just seeing some of his tweets about basketball. But um, as a reminder, don't forget to follow Greg on Twitter at Greg Armstrong underscore. Uh, Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe to both, you know, Badlands as well as our podcast feed, as well as this YouTube feed. And we appreciate everyone who's been tuning in both on audio and video. And we actually surpassed 40,000 audio downloads this past week, which we are really appreciative about. So thank you so much to everyone who listens audio. I think it's more people's preferred methods. And uh, we'll see.